0: And we are live. what's up guys? Welcome to Fed Reacts, man today we're gonna to be covering uh what this is part six now. I think of the Mafia series guys. We're gonna be covering Santo Traficante man, so we're gonna cover the Tampa side of La Costa nostra. Let's go ahead and get into it right away without any uh further ado. so I got a documentary here guys they're gonna watch shout out to Angie. She's the one that actually found this for me um and it's right here and it comes from uh this it comes from this uh this documentary called mobsters okay and we're gonna cover this guy anything you want to um cover angie when it comes to this situation because i know you had done some research prior
1: about this no not much really but i mean it's it's pretty deep uh all uh, all i i can say about this is that there is not enough content about this family on youtube not even Uh... on rumble which is kind of shitty, I mean, and when i when i what I mean by like there is not enough is that not enough for me at least, because like I like to dive deep into like what I'm researching, so yeah, I, I didn't find like pretty much like very good documentaries about this family, you know
0: why because this guy had Intel links
1: pretty well, yeah, he probably the, with, yeah exactly like yeah, the, that's a,
0: another big reason too, why they're not gonna yeah
1: the video that I liked the most was the one that we watched about the c i a and and Yes, Lucky
0: Luciano and this lucky Conte and Traficante. and Conte yeah, was this. involved because Fidel Castro and that link with Cuba, which we're going to talk about, uh, as well, guys. But we're going to go into way more detail on this with uh Ryan Dawson because. All right. Yeah, um, I didn't tell you we're going to come do it with uh, Ryan Dawson. No,
1: you didn't
0: tell me. Okay. Yes, we're going to do a Ryan Dawson, uh, which if you guys don't so for know, fresh and fit. Uh, well, we had well, we're going to bring up for fresh and fit for nine eleven. Okay. Uh, to finish the 9/11 series, and then for the mafia, we're gonna bring them on. Fed reacts. Oh, by
1: the way, people were saying that there is a video of of, of Fed reacts that got that they took it out. One of the 9/11 ones.
0: Yes, it was the Osama video.
1: Yeah, I already know. It yeah, out. it's
0: lame, dude. I'm so pissed off about that. And that was a good one too. That was uh, how the SEAL team took him down. Yeah. Yeah. Do you man. know why? Because I pulled 60 minutes footage from it. 60 minutes was being super lame. So uh, keep that in the in I our, see. in the back, our back pocket. Next time we do 60, 60 minutes, minutes, we have to be careful.
1: Okay. Yeah. A&E, stop it more. 60 minutes. Yeah. You have to just stop order. it more.
0: Yeah. So that's really what it comes <laughs> right. down to. Uh, but yeah, guys. Uh, and I apologize guys, if we're a little bit tired, uh, this is our third podcast of the day. Uh, if you guys aren't aware, I'm filming this on, it's Thursday morning now, six in the morning. Uh, we roasted. Apple and Peach earlier, <laughs> then we went ahead and did an awesome podcast with Zerka and Sneko, and yeah, man. At the end of the day, guys, you know some of you guys, you know, this is the Fed reacts out of the things, but just to give you a quick little summary, they talk shit first. We merely responded. The guys made twenty plus videos on us, guys, and if you include all of our friends that they talk shit about, Andrew, Rolo, Donovan, MLD, fucking all the other guys in the RP space, they've just been talking shit. For years, guys. So I said, you know what? I'm tired of this. We're going to roast these clowns. And that we did, my friends. Because not only did we d- debunk all their BS with receipts, we went ahead and played their game. And just absolutely annihilated them from a joke standpoint. Because remember, these guys are comedians and they always like to hide under the guise of comedy. It's okay. I'll multi- uh, vary, my friends. I can do that too. But anyway, without further ado, guys, we're going to go ahead and cover Santo Chavacante here. Part of the Mafia series. Let's get into it.
2: April 18th, 1955. Local resident Charlie Wall stumbled through the streets of downtown Tampa, ducking in and out of local bars. To look at him, Wall seemed like a typical bum. But the 73-year-old mobster had run a criminal empire in Tampa, controlling the area's illegal gambling rackets and corrupting local politicians.
3: Charlie Wall was one of the first real underworld kingpins in Tampa. In fact, he was called the Dean of the Underworld.
2: But Santo Tropicante Jr. and his father, Santo Sr., had taken Wall's territory by force. Wall bitterly resented the Traficantes and wanted them dead. For the rest of the night, he ran his mouth all over town about his hatred for the family.
3: And there were people that said he was simply bad-mouthing Traficante quite frequently.
2: Two days later, Charlie Wall's wife returned home from vacation. Whatever welcome she expected, a much different one greeted her. She found her husband in a pool of blood, brutally murdered, wearing only a nightshirt.
3: He
0: was found with his throat cut and he had his head bashed in with a billy club. Santo Jr. had sent... And guys... With the mafia, it's all about sending messages and letting people know, hey, you fuck around and find out. A deadly message. No one
2: crosses the Traficante family. 1901, 13 years before Santo Jr. was even born. Santo the first made the long voyage from Italy to the United States in search of the American dream the 14-year-old and his family settled in Tampa which was still a young city
3: Tampa was really a one-horse town literally it was very undeveloped and even when the cigar factories first came in it was still swampy mosquito-infested
2: within the italian section of the city and through his underworld dealing santo met and dated a local girl maria giuseppe cacciatore she was the sister of jojo cacciatore a known drug kingpin dating progressed to courtship and in april 1909 santo and maria were married Unlike New York, Florida was an open state for organized crime. Regardless of family or background, up-and-coming mobsters could set up shop anywhere. This meant that illegal rackets were under control by several factions, such as Southern Mobster Charlie Wall and Mafia drug Kingpin Ignazio Antonori.
1: These were rivals, guys.
4: Tampa was very violent back in the day. In fact, go ahead ahead, Angie.
1: These were both bar- rivals. So they both kept like uh they organized crime in Tampa, but they were like from different families. So Charlie Wall was like the biggest rival for the traffic the traffic family. Actually he was the one I I guess I mentioned this in the in the documentary, but he was the one who killed Auntie Nori. And then Sandra Trafficante took place.
4: Bam. Okay, Angie. Okay, she did a research on this one, guys, by the way. There was a, an article that came out that actually labeled Tampa sort of the hellhole of the Gulf Coast.
2: Santo was intrigued by the underworld and started running his own small-scale version of the illegal Spanish lottery called Yeah, Bolita. You had a hundred balls they were numbered one to a hundred
3: people would bet on what ball would be chosen they would get them in a sack and shake them up a little bit and choose a ball and that would be the winning number
1: uh
2: yeah ignazio Antonori, the most powerful italian mobster in tampa took notice of young travicante's growing bolita rackets santo joined Antonori's gang and expanded his bolita games to cover the entire gulf coast Young Traficante, raked in the cash. Santo took his job seriously and soon established a ruthless reputation.
4: My aunt, Aunt Rose, she was a uh, a victim of domestic violence and her husband beat her up something fierce. Santo Traficante broke his arms. This guy never touched my my aunt again.
1: Guys, this game, Bolita, came from Cuba i just wanted to say that because in venezuela we call it lottery it's like the lottery people mm. will call it just regular lottery. but yeah it this comes from cuba this this kind of gambling it's very very famous used to be very famous there.
0: and also just so you guys know las vegas came from this you guys are going to see how las vegas came in a little bit because cuba was the place to go to gamble back in the yes day.
2: meanwhile santo and his wife maria started a family In 1914, Luigi Santo Traficante was born. The second of five sons, the boy was nicknamed Santo Jr. Santo Jr. was often seen at his father's side at restaurants, like the
5: Columbia and La Tropicana. It's clear he saw something at an early age. There was a quickness about Santo Jr. There was a determination that was lacking in the other sons. And so when Santo Jr. began to express an interest in the father's business endeavors, the father was very quick to invite him into the fold. While Santo
2: Sr. was raising his children and running the Bolita Rackets down in Tampa, his counterparts up in New York overthrew the old guard and ushered in a new way of operating Monsters like Lucky Luciano and Tommy Lucchese thought blood between gangs was bad for business. As opposed to the old mustache Pete's, Lucchese and Luciano would partner up with anyone that could bring in more money. Guys like Santo Traficante Sr. May 1929. The up-and-coming mobster received an invite to represent the Tampa mob at a high-powered meeting in Atlantic City at the President Hotel. Santo
3: Traficante Sr. took a train up to New York to support Lucky Luciano and some of the
0: um, other powerhouses in the New York mob. Guys, if you don't know who Lucky Luciano is, I highly recommend that you go back and watch the first episode that we covered on the Mafia we we talk about origins, hierarchy, how the commission came to be, how the crime families came to be of New York, etc. cetera. That's gonna make a lot more sense for you. But long story short, Lucky Luciano is the father of organized crime, aka the mafia in the United States, if you guys have come to learn it. But if you guys want more details on this, being a made man, all that stuff, go watch the first episode in the mafia series. Yeah, It'll make it, everything make sense. If
1: anything, it's very important because you'll see the names of Lucky Luciano and Tommy Lucchese. Th- all through the the whole mafia series and it's very important to know what's the background be- uh, uh, like for these guys yeah you got to understand
0: they, the foundation to understand yeah, this exactly. part of it you know what i'm saying so i re- highly recommend you guys go back and watch that in
3: terms of how they were going to structure the mob in the northeast and to better part of the entire country
2: at the time the mafia wanted one point of contact for the entire state of florida and more importantly cuba mobsters invested heavily in cuban narcotics but couldn't communicate in spanish santo trafficante senior uh angie isn't
0: italian fairly similar to spanish
1: um so italian it's a latin language it's a it's a it's a latin language just like portuguese so yes it has some similarities it's not as similar as portuguese to spanish but we can understand cer- certain words. Okay. Yes, you're gotcha. right. Gotcha.
0: So if an Italian spoke to you, would you understand them?
1: No. Not, not I will say like 40%. Okay. It
0: All depends
1: right. on the words. I will like understand the context of what he will say or gotcha. like the person will say, but I like know the whole thing. Gotcha. It's very difficult. Okay. Yeah. It's it's more easier it's easier with Portuguese though. Ah,
0: uh-huh. okay.
1: I will understand like 80% of a Portuguese.
2: Hit the bill He was born in Italy, but spent much of his childhood in Florida. Even though Italian was his first language, he quickly learned English. And unlike the New York gangsters, he was fluent in Spanish.
0: Most of the guys from New York were barely speaking English at that time, you know. And And also, you guys got to remember, in Florida, you know, there was a fairly strong Hispanic culture. I mean, there's still a strong Hispanic culture here, but it wasn't the same as New York. So uh, he was able to adapt and pick up another language in Florida, which put him in a very, uh, how do I say this? pivotal position to be able to make some moves for actually, the mafia.
1: Actually uh the the influence of Florida with the Spanish is because of the Cubans. Yes. Now you see a lot yes. of, of white in this in this like because of this mafia though. Because of Cubans you know Cuba is like really near uh Florida. Yeah very and close. like it seems like for centuries like centuries right decades. El Angie Yeah, L yeah uh, okay. decades Stupid. uh Cubans have Stupid. been like you know migrating been migrating to florida that's why there has there is like a high influence of cubans in here in florida still to this day there are millions of cubans here
0: yeah they're all over miami i'll tell you all that yeah none of angie's one of them <laughs>
1: I'm <just> no, <laughs> I'm no. she hates
0: their
2: spanish So actually like had this little spaders. bit of an edge there trafficante was practically a native and to new york bosses santo was the perfect go-between <laughs> Santo was gaining influence, but he still had to deal with his main opposition in Tampa, mobster Charlie Wall.
3: Charlie Wall was just a real bad character, but because his family was tied into a lot of the power elite in Tampa at the time, as he rose through the criminal ranks, he still maintained a lot of those contacts with the judges, the politicians, the police.
2: Wall watched Santo carefully, but didn't consider him a threat. The gangster was more concerned with Traficante's boss, Ignazio Antonori. In 1930, while tension built between Wall and Antonori, 15-year-old Santo Jr. dropped out of high school,
4: his father told him that he's not going to learn anything more than high school. He can learn more hanging out with his father and going to New York, attending the meetings, being part of the Bolita rackets and and obviously getting to know these figures in this underworld
5: and from there it was just a it was a straight straight shot up he was very smart he was determined he was ambitious and he did not take no for an answer easily
2: as part of his training his father sent him on long trips to new york the elder Traficante was close to several leaders in the New York mafia and wanted his son to learn firsthand how they operated.
0: Keep in mind, guys, all the Italian immigrants came to the United States in the early 1900s, and that was their base of operations. So, this was really the only big family operating out of Florida. So, you obviously had to come back and kind of pay homage and deal with the, the, the main boss out of New York. Yeah.
1: Uh, Traficante, I just say okay, go ahead. Uh, Charlie Wall back then, like in the like early fifties, early fifties, forties, he was the leader in like the the crime organization of gambling and prostitution. And between these two, um, these two like I don't know how to say this, but maybe yeah, like these two factions of like crime families, they were there was like a huge competition overtaking this uh, business, you know, like gambling and shit. Because Trans-Saharan wanted to take over like everything, because this was like the I don't know how to say this, Mario, but like uh, I don't know how to say this, but like the biggest, what's the word though, man? I don't know the word.
0: Say it in Spanish for the Spanish speakers out there.
1: Uh, yes, I don't know how to explain it though. Um, this was like oh, the Angie. biggest, yeah, LB right on.
6: Langi. <laughs> I don't have. House. I
1: don't have my. Hang on. Forget about it. Just skip just playing. I'll say Stupid.
6: later.
0: <laughs> Fair enough. Forget about it.
1: Yeah. Senior
2: had another reason for sending his son to New York. Tampa was at war. Two rival gangs headed by... If you think of it, let me know. Or yeah, Wall yeah, yeah. And Ignacio I get it. Antinori Fought for control of Florida's gambling there rackets.
1: There you are. <laughs> That's what I was Sent- trying to say. Fought
0: <laughs> for control of the gambling rackets?
2: Yeah,
1: they wanted to take control over this huge... I don't know the fucking word, but it's gambling. Yeah, it's, rackets. No.
0: How do you say gambling in Spanish?
1: Gambling, apostar, apuestas. Okay, you
0: should you say in Spanish.
2: To senior stayed clear of the conflict, hoping to gain power simply by surviving the bloody feud. When the smoke cleared, Ignazio Antonori was dead. Charlie Wall had lost most of his crew and Santo Traficanti was stronger than ever. Ultimately,
4: uh, Charlie Wall got pushed out. I mean, he could not compete with the traffic counties.
2: Santos Sr. was poised to take control of Wall's territory, but the government was gunning for him. The new boss of Tampa was in trouble.
0: Keep in mind, guys, this is pre-RICO, though.
2: In the 1930s, a bitter street war erupted between rival Tampa gangs. In a period later called the Era of Blood, mobsters Ignazio Antonori and Charlie Wall traded hits for ten long years. Until gunmen finally killed Antonori with a salt-off shotgun. The war virtually wiped out both sides leaving a power vacuum behind with his main competition decimated up and coming mobster santo trafficante senior took over all major gambling rackets
3: santo senior became the boss of tampa he really solidified his hold
2: for the next decade Trafficante reigned quietly over his Florida territory, but a new threat was looming. The federal government was bearing down on the Mafia. In 1950, Tennessee Senator Estes Kefauver took aim at organized crime in America,
4: the tremendous importance
2: of organized crime—it's uh, even greater than we thought it was.
0: As part of his Senate income, and just so you guys know, back then they—we're they just coming off the Prohibition era. The Mafia had made millions upon millions of dollars. If we were to equate it to the, today's dollars, guys, it would be billions. Okay, so there was a huge organized crime problem back then. And keep in mind, they didn't have the technology or the sophisticated police skill set and technology that they have nowadays. So organized crime was running rampant, guys.
2: Query. Kefauver crossed the country. Investigating the mob through televised hearings.
7: Senator Estes Kefauver was an ambitious, young, liberal senator from Tennessee. And like many politicians, he decided...
0: Liberal by standards in the 1930s. Not today, guys. Not today. He'd be considered a staunch Republican nowadays. It's amazing how the left is considerably changed over the decades, but being conservative, eh, not too much. A guy that was liberal 10 years ago, someone like maybe like a Tim Cassidy labeled a leftist, nowadays is considered a Republican. That goes to tell you guys how much changes in just 10 years.
7: That he was going to make a name for himself by looking in organized crime.
2: In December, Keepover's tour stopped in Tampa and issued a flurry of subpoenas to members of the criminal underworld.
4: The main goal of the Kefaufer hearings was basically to target corruption in Tampa. And Tampa is actually one of the highlights because this is the first time that America got to see these mobsters on TV.
2: The committee then turned its attention to the Traficantes. They estimated the family took in more than $15 million a year in illegal gambling alone. The Tennessee senator subpoenaed both Santos, senior and junior to testify before the committee. Keith Over then ratcheted up the pressure. Even-
0: Just so you guys know, 15 million dollars in 1930 is the equivalent to 272 million, 481 thousand dollars. Wow. Uh, pretty much a year. So these guys were making over a quarter of a billion dollars a year, allegedly, according to the government
2: even further by calling one of trafficanti's oldest rivals 71 year old charlie wall keep over and
0: real quick just to let you guys know this was huge back then because remember what does omorte mean code of silence not talk about our stuff the mafia isn't even supposed to exist at this point in the 1930s guys the united states still didn't really know what the mafia was. They kind of knew about these dudes that somewhat supplied alcohol and killed each other and were spoke Italian, but they didn't know how deep it was. They didn't know that it was a very sophisticated and organized criminal organization. So, they're trying to bring these guys in to testify to get more information because they did not have the same information yeah. that they ended up getting decades later. Guys, keep in mind this is 1930. This is 55 years before Mafia members are finally indicted under RICO statues thanks to thanks to Rudy Giuliani, okay, guys, in New York City. Go
1: uh on. just to just FYI for you guys. There were 27 families throughout America in between the the 1900s, the yeah, the 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 early 1900s. Like I have them all here. Bam, it's a whole at. fucking list. Holy only well, actually, five no, of- put, it, put it to the
0: screen real quick and maybe someone might want to pause it and read through it. Bam, uh, uh, well, move it back a bit. There you go, guys. handwriting sucks, but English is a second language. There we uh, go.
1: What? My handwriting is nice. <laughs> yeah, yes. You remember, I didn't put like the five families of New York, but I put like the five families of New York. You know, there is five, but there were more in New oh, York. Okay. You don't are... put
0: banana and all that, which we covered all five of them. Exactly, by the way, guys, if because there were wondering.
1: Those were the like the main ones, but yeah. the, you know they're like also like very important ones, like the the Philly one, the uh the one in Pennsylvania. This one is Tampa. You have... Speaking of have which,
0: a, Angie, should we should we cover the Philly mob as well? Been I think so, for because
1: it. they've been asking for it, too. And the right. mafia cops. Yeah, all you right. guys, I have a like a new list. I've been updating the list of requests. For all you guys asking for, for guys. the Philly
0: mob, you guys got it. Angie, put y'all on. So. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, so don't make fun, fun, fun of her English too much, because I was honestly going to call it after I brought Ryan Dawson <sighs> and covered how Lucky uh, Luciano, this guy Traficante, etc., were involved with intelligence agencies. Yep but since you guys have requested the philly mob and she's been seeing you guys requesting it we'll extend the mafia series another week next week we'll do the philly mob then we'll bring in ryan dawson and talk about uh intelligence agencies and their uh working with uh and
1: we're gonna keep like making like cases of uh, like serial killers i want to do charles manson mario wants to do uh, mario wants to do uh jack the ripper Um... yeah
0: i think we'll give you all jack the ripper first and then we'll hit because charles manson that's going to be extensive
1: but they've been asking for charles manson for ages
0: yeah they have they have but charles manson is going to take some time and serious research
1: Charles Manson is one of my favorite ones yeah yeah. because because
0: the thing is with with jack awareness yeah we got that's fine she we could cover that one easy but uh uh charles manson is going to take time because i mean look at son of sam we literally spent all day yeah, Son of Sam researching like, uh, researching Son of Sam, because the, the, when, once you get into cults, guys,
1: it's it just starts to get weird. It's Dave. Yes. yeah.
0: And then on top of that. Right. We got guys saying there was no cult. This is bullshit. Oh, ah! all this other stuff. Right. Which is fine. But you actually you have to go there and acknowledge it as well. We had some people saying, oh, you didn't you didn't, you know, report it correctly, and blah, blah, blah. It is what it is. I mean, you can't dispute eyewitnesses coming up with different that eyewitnesses that independently don't know each other, saying like, "Yo, this was the shooter. This was the shooter," and mm. all the sketches are vastly different.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like, I I, I want to go through real quick and this is this like uh, short list of requests because I have I have updated it and. And these are like recent cases that you guys been requesting. This these are like like the old cases you guys been requesting, but like the most requested ones too. And I got off West Memphis three Remember that case? I told you about the, the three guys, the three little kids that, that got killed in Memphis. Um el Chapo. we're gonna cover that one we're gonna cover the mexican cartels and we're gonna cover the colombian cartels too yeah um that's a very important one and that's coming very soon you guys like that's after coming, we do like... the
0: mafia we're probably gonna take like a two-week break guys right not cover any big organizations maybe do like a uh, serial Cereal killer killers. hair yeah uh like you know one-off requests that you guys have and then we'll go ahead and go full-fledged into the colombians first then into um the mexicans and the reason why is because whenever we cover these uh Big criminal organizations, it takes multiple episodes. And I want to give y'all breaks in between. I mean, hell, you guys are probably Lacosa Nostrad out at this point. You know what yeah. I mean? But this is what y'all get. You guys because, asked, yeah, and we're giving it to y'all. <laughs> I told you we wouldn't be able to do it justice if we did it in one episode. I knew we we're gonna, this is gonna be a month-long plus thing. So for all you guys that wanted the mafia, y'all are getting what you want. But understand if we cover a big organization, we're gonna want to do it thoroughly. I don't want to yeah. bullshit it
1: yeah uh yeah so we're gonna of course we're gonna cover like the serial killers uh main ones ed kemper it's a big one i've been wanting to do that one like for a while now alien Uh i got here robert hansen um
0: we could give them jack the ripper this sunday is what i'm thinking because the thing with jack the ripper guys is like they never caught him it's a fairly clear-cut case he only killed like four or five people he didn't kill that many people the reason why people remember him is because number one it's unsolved number two the 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 violence the carnage of how he killed these women and you know he was kind of like a folk a folklore individual in you know british uh history so we'll cover him because that's going to kind of be simple there's not much out there they never caught the fucking guy yeah. um i still think the zodiac killer is cooler, cooler in my opinion if we're going to talk about unsolved it is. killers it i is think the Zodiac cool. killer is yeah. way cooler but um which go go watch that one that was actually one of my favorite ones guys but Yeah, we got y'all. Don't worry. We're gonna cover the big criminal organizations. I know you guys keep asking, keep asking, keep asking, but we eventually give you guys what you want. Hell, y'all asked for the DC sniper forever, and we did a fucking bang-up job on that one. Yeah. So
1: that DC Sniper case was.
0: Hell, the son of Sam one was fucking lit. Like, yo. And and guys, that one took a I am never gonna cram research ever again one day. Like that, the son of Sam one I crammed it for a day. Literally was just focusing 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 watching hours yeah. and hours of content figuring out what yeah. was good what wasn't bad etc what y'all would be entertained by which you guys wouldn't while simultaneously making sure that we don't get hit with copyright playing just a little bit giving commentary mm-hmm. getting uh
1: kim that was very chronological and it hard? it was a little bit hard for me because myron got like all these tabs and i was like here <laughs> kind of like directing uh, yeah, the whole true. thing so yeah i i saw you guys complaining a little bit about that on the comments but she will get better Uh, yeah i hope so but yeah i mean it was like a lot of work it was like a lot of work and it was a lot of research too yeah Um, because
0: see i love documentaries like this because they're fairly straightforward we could just react to this but whenever we got like a really big case like that or like we have to cover certain things we have to chop it up put it in a certain way where it makes chronological sense while also making factual sense and it's entertaining so we're balancing a bunch of things and guys there's a bunch of people that y'all requested that we went and extensively did research on and we just were like not right now that this is we got to find another way to cover this because this documentary sucks this case isn't exciting enough we're literally we're always like concerned with giving y'all entertainment as well we understand that it's about education but we want to give you guys entertainment in the same process
1: yeah uh well real quick um so yeah charles manson the filling up you had. you guys been requesting a lot i told Marin this earlier. You guys been requesting the Michael Jackson 93 and 05 cases.
0: Yeah, I keep seeing that in the comments. Yeah, yeah they've been requesting we that.
1: Chris Turner, Aaron Hernandez. Um,
0: the reason why, for some of you guys that keep asking about Michael Jackson, I will cover it, but that, bro, you want to talk about, that's going to be controversial.
1: I was, I was, half
0: confused. the audience is going to be mad as hell. The other half is going to be like, Mike's innocent, like it's,
6: yeah, bro. I'm...
1: I was in fifth grade, graduating fifth grade, when Michael Jackson died, and I remember that I cried because I really liked his music and I really wanted to meet. Him. <laughs> I don't care what
0: nobody says. I mean, Michael Jackson is a legend. People could talk is. shit all they want, what? like blah blah blah. Like, bro, the man transcended countries, border, uh, like borders, etc. And here's the other thing too that I gotta remember: he was famous like that before social yes. media yes that, like i don't think you guys remember what life was like but for some of y'all that are older absolutely but for you young guys you could have become famous unless you were an actual star you yeah. understand you had to have hollywood backing you had to have a record deal you had to have major um, like big components behind you to push you this idea of being a, a influencer or a celeb through social media on your own terms that wasn't a thing back then so for you to blow up you actually had to be talented you actually had to be a somebody and then on top of that if you were famous back then it was fame for fucking real not nowadays
1: yeah. no and also you gotta remember that michael jackson was the first one in doing like like a bunch of stuff like uh, from singing patterns like from Dancing stuff like uh, there is a lot of all these musicians nowadays. Like there is a lot of copycats for him. Like I love Bruno Mars. Bruno Mars is like a, one of the biggest one. Uh, copycat of Michael Jackson. Oh uh, yeah,
0: everybody. Uh, every, yo, any R and B artist, Brown. Chris Brown, like
1: The I, Weekend, like there yeah. Is, like, but they give guys? their
0: flowers though. They do say that Michael inspired me. They do. Say of that.
1: course, but like they all came from him. Yeah. you know, like Michael Jackson was like the father.
0: And here's the other thing too. Like just Who to put things the- in perspective for you guys. Like people always say, Drake is famous, famous.
1: you hey, <laughs> like,
0: Michael Jackson 10x that that was Michael Jackson's fame. Dude yeah. used to go to foreign third world countries and they knew who he was.
1: Yeah, Drake can't yeah. go who was before the middle him, middle of
0: nowhere, and people will know who he is.
1: The, before him, yeah, that's true. Before him, I will say Elvis Presley, but even then, even then, like Michael Jackson was like,
0: I think, I think Jackson surpassed Presley in, in fame personally.
1: Yeah, but, re- but remember that Presley was like way older, though. Oh, yeah, yeah, of before, course, of course, before of course. like a whole, yeah, he other was a generation. whole other, yeah,
0: yeah, he was a whole other thing. But I, I, I would say if you had to put like level of fame,
1: I would say like not even quite...
0: close. Like, do you, do you think so? I don't think anybody really comes as close to Jackson.
1: I love Michael Jackson too. I'm not like gonna like being honest. It.
0: Like like if you yeah. really think about like how did we end up fucking talking about this? <laughs> Look, the point I'm trying to make, guys, is uh, before we digress here.
1: This is 90s, yeah, baby's here. Like, yeah. Like
0: Jackson, his level of fame. Like bro, he would make someone like like Rihanna's considered famous, Draken's considered famous, like Beyonce, these are considered like international superstars. Joke compared to Mike.
1: You know, there are Joke. plenty there are And plenty. they have social
0: media on their side.
1: You know, where there if Michael Jackson
0: lived in today's era, how we have social That's, media,
1: yeah. That's what I was supposed to say. Like, there's, there's plenty of comp- conspiracy theories that he's alive still, that he got killed. Something happened to him. Something made it. Uh, something happened to him. Like, there oh, are nah, so many dead. conspiracy theories. Like, I will break them down in one in one case. But he's 100% here.
0: dead. Me and you both know that.
1: Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course he is. Dead. Like, it, there is no way he will go, get through.
0: Favorite, favorite Michael Jackson song? Shoot.
1: Dude, I'm, I'm basic. Thriller, right there and then.
0: The song and the it whole album. Out-
1: it came out sung. Okay. It came out when I like the year I was born. Mm-hmm. You can see like how old I am now, but like that's my Wait, favorite. Thriller
7: s-
0: came out in the eighties.
1: No, well the video, sorry. The, the video, video came out. Well, my, the my 80s. mom, my mom told me it came out on my on my, my birthday. and
0: <laughs> well, she Dude. lied to you, bro?
1: Dude, what? Thriller was released. I saw, I saw a concert. I saw a concert. Bruh. My mom was like joe that was when you were born that year, like when when the probably when
0: he was performing it.
1: No, the video, man, like the video. Bro, hold on,
0: I'm about to look this up right now. Year.
1: My mom lied to me. Don't tell Thriller. me that. I'm dying. I'm almost certain it's like 1983,
0: no. 1984. Let me look. No 1982. Way. What? Yeah, your mom lied. I'm out. Yeah, fucking yeah, yeah. You gone? Yeah, my uh, yeah november 30th 1982 guys was when thriller was released no and then you know what Let's I'm not not it, old. okay um thriller music video
1: okay look it up
0: music video hold on
1: i don't want to say how old i am now
0: december 1983. yeah your mom hey. lied to you bro she <laughs>
1: she said she said that
0: <laughs> you will be old as hell if you came out if you were born when this shit came out uh. <laughs> yeah dude like you are hold on let me add this shit to stream hold on damn it yeah this is right here november 30th um anyway november 2nd sorry november 30th 1982 was the when it came out on um
1: hang on the, the album, album or, or this the song? album
0: and then the music video december 2nd 1983
1: damn it Well, it's it's still my favorite song to this day. Blue Jeans is also another one. But, like, Thriller is my favorite one because uh, I love the movie... uh 13 going to 30. I don't know if that's the name in English, though. And when that movie came out, I was like, my mom already told me this. Like, that, that video came out on my birthday. I wouldn't
0: be believing your mom anymore.
1: Yeah, I don't believe her anymore. <laughs> like,
0: uh, my that's favorite, why women deserve less. Because we will
1: coming in Spanish. So. Yeah, <laughs>
0: definitely coming in Spanish. And just so y'all know, Angie grew up in Venezuela. Well. She didn't even grow up in the United States, so she knows who Michael Jackson is. And on top of that, she was, Dude, like, he, she I, wasn't even, like, Alive, neither was I when his music was actually in its prime, which was when the 80s and early 90s. Uh, the what I will say is this though my favorite Mike J- Michael Jackson song is actually You Rock My World, really. That's my favorite, even though it came I'll, out later I'll, on. I
1: can name like a yeah, Smooth Criminal yeah, is one of, course, of my favorite of course.
0: too. Like, Those are all classics. Oh
1: man, I love Michael Jackson, like I love him. Like I cried when he died, and I was only like 10 years old, something like that. I don't remember how old it was, but I was in my graduation party for like fifth grade, I think I remember, and all my friends were like in the pool you know like fucking dancing to like two, two i don't know when he was when he died it was 2008
0: uh, two, like, two, eight, i think it nine? was june of 2009 let me look this yeah. up if i remember they see were my all memory. dancing
1: and going to the pool and like partying and i was like dude michael jackson died <laughs> what i was crying my, my, i was like crying to my brother like he died i'm june 25th, gonna 2009
0: him. i fucking knew it yep
1: yeah, yeah. I knew it.
0: Yep, June twenty fifth, two
1: 2009 I was crying, and I was ten years old.
0: That goes to 10? show influence. I don't
1: remember how old I was, but I was young as fuck, and I was crying, crying, yeah. man. Yeah, it was a sad day. It was very sad. Me and all my friends were. Bad. I, I remember we're in New York so City. Bad.
0: We're in New York City when that shit happened. And, he you know,
1: actually came to Venezuela once.
0: I believe it. I believe it. Well, anyway, Anyways. uh with that said, we'll cover Michael <laughs> Jackson, guys. Don't worry. But yes. as you guys could see, that name sparks a lot of. Passion from people because as much as you see me and Angie love Michael Jackson, there's gonna be a bunch of fucking people in the comments saying he was
4: a pedophile. Blah,
1: yeah, blah, blah. he did so, this. Man. Yeah,
0: so I already know what type of time that is, and uh, we'll cover Michael Jackson. But as you guys can see, he he's like Trump almost, like it's like a lightning rod yeah. of emotion. You either love him or you hate him. uh But anyway, let's continue on with the Trappacante thing. Yeah, Sorry yeah, for yeah. the the, the, the delay did. there.
2: <laughs> Wasn't after the has been mobster, he wanted information on the Traficantes
3: charlie wall did testify at that committee hearing just
2: to
0: recap guys because we went on a tangent there a bit (laughs) they're bringing in mafia members and or associates in to testify to pretty much pull the hood off of organized crime in the united states after the prohibition era or at the heels of the prohibition era. i think prohibition ended in the early 30s if i'm not mistaken and kind of outlined a lot of the
3: structure of organized crime in tampa
2: For the first time, the federal government understood the nature of the Traficante family business. 1933 ended, I was was right. I was
1: 12 in 2009.
2: That was enough for (laughs) Santos Sr. and son. The Traficantes packed their bags. They skipped town.
3: Cuba was a place where they can go to when the heat got too much and... In the United States, and it was a place where they were making money legally, where they had, you know, a lot of things at their fingertips.
2: The traffic
4: settled in and found just about anything at their disposal. Well, I mean, it was Santos Fantasy Island. I mean, he had free reign of not only the casinos, but anything he, he wanted he could get. I mean, anything he wanted.
3: You have people like Sinatra and Marilyn Monroe and top celebrities going down there. And I think a really good parallel would be Las Vegas today, where you have all these celebrities going there. And Havana became that place.
2: For years, the Traficantes had funneled millions from American mobsters to Cuban dictator Fulgencio Batista. The Cuban leader, in turn kept the local authorities away from their narcotics
0: rackets and right here guys was the cornerstone of how the mafia was able to make so much goddamn money in cuba this is before fidel castro which we're gonna see what happens when he gets in office
5: rela- or this case takes office relationship between the mob and batista was thoroughly absolutely corrupt um Batista made a fortune off of the mob's presence in Havana. He got a skim from everything.
0: Santos Sr. in I think, if I'm not mistaken, guys, the Traficantes were kicking up like 10% or something like that to, to the government, which is why uh, they were able to enjoy pretty much working with zero type of issues and regulations. Because remember, guys, the way the mafia looked at it is, well, if we operate in Cuba, we don't have to worry about, um, you know, American regulation, all these codes that we gotta follow. Blah blah blah. They were able to just open up casinos, not worry about permits, not worry about nothing. Get their stuff done, make as much money as they wanted, as long as they kick it up to, you know, the president, and they're able to operate and do illegal stuff without being prosecuted. That is why Cuba was such a goldmine to the Traficantes and other Italian uh, La Cosa Nostra members that want to make money in cuba off of gambling remember guys they didn't want to be doing drug dealing back then right they kind of some of them were involved in it, whatever but typically drug trafficking was a big no-no when mm. it came to organized crime for the mafia or if they did do it they better do a good job of hiding it and keep themselves at least one layer removed because drug trafficking would get you killed in that life back in the day and this was confirmed by capo michael francis on multiple uh podcasts that we did with him shout out to michael francis as well go subscribe to his channel fucking awesome dude man uh but yeah guys let's keep going
2: Enjoyed his time in Cuba. But the 64-year-old's health had become an issue. He was diagnosed with stomach cancer. Santos Sr. knew his time was running out. So he started handing
5: over the reins of his operation to his son. He prepared himself for it. Um, It was clear from his conversations with his father that he was going to inherit the mantle of leadership. Back in Tampa, the
2: Kefauver Committee had left town. The Trafficantes could safely return to Florida. But they would soon encounter a full scale mob war. The stakes were high. The Trafficantes could either wipe out the competition or lose everything they had. Tampa prepared for war. In 1950, Tampa mobsters Santo Travacanti Sr. and his son had an opportunity to consolidate their rule over crime in the state. One of their competitors, mobster Red Italiano, had his own gambling rackets, but left town during the Kefauver hearings and never came back. While Red was gone, his gang would answer to his inexperienced right-hand man, Jimmy Lumia. The Traficantes thought they could take advantage of Lumia's weak leadership and seize the gang's bolita rackets.
3: The Traficantes never had a lot of members, so they never really had the strength to exert their influence completely over South Florida, although a lot of gangsters that did business in South Florida would either pay tribute or ask permission or go into business with the Traficantes. So they still had their fingers in the pie, but they didn't per se control Miami and South Florida.
2: It was time for Santo Jr. to act and take out his rivals once and for all. In the days leading up to the war with Lumia, Santo Jr. assumed day-to-day management of the family business. The young man carried himself with an air of calm dignity he hardly looked like a gangster.
4: He was not the typical Mafia chieftain. I mean, this was someone who was well-read. He was very well-groomed, horn-rimmed glasses, tailor-made suits. I mean, these are not the the thugs that you'd see on the streets in, in in the North of the United States. So there's a totally different kind of breed. Santo Jr. was described by most people that
3: knew him as this kind, quiet gentleman. He was really respected by other mafia figures, as well as people in the legitimate business world. He kept him really low-key.
2: But there was a side of Santo Jr. that people rarely saw. Unlike his father, who was content to rule quietly behind the scenes, Santo Jr. was more direct, brutal at times. The upcoming war with Jimmy Lumia would bring out the darker side of Santo Traficante Jr., if Santo could get Lumia out of the picture, then he could control all of Tampa himself. On June 5, 1950, hitmen went after Jimmy Lumia. He stopped
3: his car to talk to some employees and another car came up beside him and blew his head off.
2: The police suspected Santo Jr. was behind the hit, but never had the evidence to charge him. With Lumia gone, Santo Jr. continued his rampage, hunting down Italiano's crew, leaving a trail of bodies behind. He was eliminating the family's competition one by one, and the police couldn't hang a charge on anyone.
1: That was the thing with uh, with these families, so though. They would never catch the boss. Because there will, uh, uh, crime organizations weren't like, uh, uh, like Myron said, they were weren't like a huge thing. Like no, no, many people knew about it. And because of Rico, Myron had explained this, like in other episodes. Yeah. That's that's why they they could get to like the FBI could get to aim like the boss of this of organizations, like the main leaders of these organizations. That's why they never they, they always got away because if back then Rico like. Will have existed they will get them like like that because they will link like the, the crimes to them until mm. they get to them you know like the the main the main leader
0: yeah but unfortunately they were forced to only charge one guy at a time yeah. and they couldn't get them with like conspiracy charges etc and the bosses most importantly were always insulated because they never actually were in like physically involved in the crimes so, they just called the shots from up top. so
1: back then it, with this hits then uh with this with this yeah with this kind of crimes they will only get like the, the person that killed the guy right like only like the 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 murderer basically i mean if if they get the if they get the evidence like yeah I'm, I'm absolutely not...
0: they can pin a murder on that's multiple it. people like, even if yeah yeah that's
1: the only guy that's going to jail yeah like, that's, like the... for
0: example john Gotti, guys right and watch the gambino one because we talk about john Gotti as well we have a whole episode on the chicago alpha and al capone before you guys start commenting mm-hmm. john Gotti, for example guys got hit for murder, even though he wasn't the one that killed the boss. It was because he was involved in planning it.
1: Because he set up the whole thing.
0: And it was in furtherance of what? La Cosa So that's why, and that's how they're able to get them. And that's what ended up bringing Gotti down was uh, the organized crime slash RICO Rico laws as well as the other guys as well in the mid 80s.
2: 1952. Even with Lumia dead and Italiano out of town, their gang remained loyal and dedicated themselves to the war with Traficante. But the mob killings were taking their toll on the public.
3: There's a lot more of a public outcry for the police to do something. So you see more of a concentrated effort to solve some of these murders, but none of them were ever conclusively solved.
2: Still, the violence continued. January 3rd, 1953. At 7.25, one of Santos' drivers picked him up after dinner at a relative's house. The mobster sedan pulled away, but another car was racing toward him. Without warning, a 12-gauge shotgun unloaded into Santos' car. Buckshot nicked Traficante's arm. He pushed open the car door and fell onto the street. <laughs> The unknown gunman tore off, leaving Traficante for dead.
3: Traficante was grazed in the arm and went to the hospital and refused to tell investigators anything.
2: No one took credit for the hit, but rumors circulated that it was an act of revenge by the family's hated rival, Charlie Wall. Wall, the former dean of the underworld, was later found brutally
4: murdered in his home. Oh, I
6: wonder no. why
1: Yeah.
4: Charlie Wall's death it? remains unsolved. There was never any kind of conviction, it remains unsolved to this day. Wow.
2: While Traficante warred on the streets of Tampa, his father, 68-year-old Santos Sr., had finally succumbed to stomach cancer.
1: This was back in 1954,
2: guys. His death certificate said he was a simple cigar maker. Cigar
0: maker. Okay.
3: Stop the cap. His death wasn't really noted very much. It was a small little article in the paper and it was a more of a low key kind of funeral which fit him because he was a very low key mob boss. In fact, there's very little if any public record of him surviving to this day.
2: By now, Santo Jr. was ready to take his father's place.
3: You can see him really handing over a lot of the operations to Santo Jr. at the time. And when he died in 1954,
4: the mantle was officially passed to Santo Jr. Jr. then becomes the Mafia chieftain of Florida and the southern part of the United States. I mean, it was just a natural progression.
5: Santo was not a man given to a lot of grieving. It was business. This was business. And he had to move on and make his mark. And he did. The other mob bosses
2: in New York City and beyond knew he was the heir apparent.
3: Traficante was viewed very well by most of the other Mafia families around the country and he definitely moved right into the position. I think it was a pretty seamless transition and there did not seem to be a lot of dissension in the ranks of the local family as well.
2: Santo Traficante Jr. had assumed his father's role. He was the boss of Tampa's criminal underworld santo seemed untouchable that is until his name was connected to a high profile mob murder in 1954 santo trafficante senior had died after a long bout with stomach cancer his son santo jr took over his boss at the age of 39. And with the name Traficante, Santo did not have to advertise. In the 1950s, Santo Jr. was a critical link to gambling and drug rackets in Havana, Cuba. Traficante was the perfect mob emissary, bribing Cuban dictator Fulgencio Batista to keep police clear of Mafia-run casinos in Havana. Then, on October 24, 1957, the high-profile New York mobster Albert Anastasia met with Santo Jr. in New York. The mob's Lord High Executioner wanted part of Traficante's action in Cuba
3: Traficante was a little leery of letting Anastasia move in, Um, kind of viewed Anastasia as being a little rough around the edges and didn't
4: really want any more competition down there. He was trying to muscle his way into Vanna and Santo had a great thing going in Vanna. They didn't want to mess that up. The next
1: day, was Anastasia like got
4: his hair cut at the barber shop in the park. Go ahead. What was that Andrew?
1: this guy was just like Al Capone? He was corrupting all the like the, gov- Absolutely. the government Absolutely,
0: that's the cornerstone of La Cosa Nostra. Influenced the mayors, the politicians, etc. And yeah, Al Capone had an even stronger grip. He he control. He got a mayor elected. Yeah, like,
1: but this guy was controlling the fucking.
0: Yeah, I mean, this guy. I mean, yeah, but th- the thing is, is that Chicago is like a, a major city. Let's be honest here. Yeah, Tampa is not true. a major city. Right?
1: No, no, no. I'm talking about Cuba.
0: Oh, oh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, South yeah, the yeah. they had another country. Makeup. Yeah, but Cuba's corrupt as fuck. Like it's way yeah. more impressive to get um, you know, politicians in America versus yeah. Cubans. Like let's be honest here, no offense, but
1: It's wild though. Sheridan- South, South
0: America has been corrupt for literally decades.
2: Hotel in Midtown Manhattan. The real interesting thing is that
3: Traficante was staying at the Park Sheridan Hotel in New York under the alias of B Hill. And the morning he checked out, but a couple hours later, Anastasia went to that same hotel to get his weekly shave. And while he was in the barber seat with a hot towel wrapped around his face, some gunmen came in and killed him.
0: Wow.
1: Just like that.
2: There was widespread speculation that New York mobsters were behind the hit. But Santo Jr. remained a suspect.
4: And they tried to pin that on Santo, but they could never, ever pin that on him. And there was no really tangible evidence that actually could link it to him. In fact, Santo was on a plane two hours before his murder going to Havana.
1: Wow. How easy they can get away with this. It's crazy.
4: Absolutely. Two years later, in
2: 1959, when Santo Traficante Jr. traveled to Cuba, he found a much different country than he remembered. Cuba was in the midst of a revolution. Fidel Castro was poised
0: to seize control from Batista. You guys are going to see a major shift once Fidel comes in.
6: In the period before the Cuban Revolution. Did I tell you I went to Cuba in um,
1: 2010?
6: The country. No, I didn't know that.
1: Yeah, I went to Cuba in 2010.
6: That explains why you hate their Spanish so much. It was corrupt. (laughs) Batista was a dictator and he was being paid off uh, by the mob. And the mob had all of the casinos in Havana and all of the allied services, which would include prostitution. Traficante and his associates.
0: You know who else was involved in the casinos in Cuba? Mayor Lansky. Who's Mayor Lansky?
1: One of them boys. One of them boys <laughs>
2: worried that Castro might not be as easy to corrupt. The mob made 100 million dollars a year from Cuban casinos alone. It was up to Santo Jr to keep the Cuban rackets intact regardless of the revolution's outcome.
0: And by the way, just so you guys know if you love enjoy uh, conspiracy theories or in this case is going to be conspiracy facts. <laughs> And you like to talk about, you know, them boys, we're going to have Ryan Dawson on, who quite probably is the biggest exposer of them boys on the Internet. There's a reason why he got banned in 2006. We're talking about the shit that he talks about, guys. But here's the thing. He ain't lying. It's all fact. None of it is on some hatred type shit. It's all verifiable historical fact that no one wants to teach you guys.
4: He placed bets on both sides what he did not only was he a batista supporter but he also supported fidel castro he never thought that anything would ever end and and that was a mistake
0: on his part and the thing is with him is that all he cared about was the casino staying operating so he basically put put money in both their pockets so that he can go ahead and get allegiance because he looked at it like if either one wins i'm still in the uh in the running but you guys are going to see yeah, how this backfires. Yeah, but he
1: thought he could corrupt Fidel. That yeah. was his biggest mistake.
0: Yep. But you guys are going to see how this backfires on him later.
2: Traficante <laughs> supplied Castro with guns and money, with the understanding that the mob's Cuban casinos could remain. By the spring of 1959, Castro had taken over the country completely and forced Batista out with batista gone
0: he snaked (laughs) them just like uh might as well call this guy abba castro because he literally snaked this guy man (laughs) Fucking crazy took the money took the support won the war kicked him out
2: mobsters tested castro hoping he would accept bribes as batista had for years they would be disappointed Castro became a communist dictator and evicted some of the same mobsters that had supported him in his rise to power.
7: Fidel Castro came to power in January 1959. He was clearly moving um, Cuba in a leftward direction, uh, causing considerable concern in the United States. And And why did he get rid of the casinos, guys? Because casinos
0: are literally the embodiment of capitalism. You understand? You're basically right, taking people's hard-earned money, putting them in a position where they're gambling it away under the guise of capitalism, and that's not what Fidel Castro wanted. And Fidel Castro hated the West, he hated capitalism. So for him to allow, you know, mobsters to run casinos in his country, nah. Yeah, what's the look.
1: huge? That's the huge problem for a communist capitalism. Yeah, <laughs>
0: you know what I mean. Like Fidel was obviously corrupt too. Don't don't make no mistake about it. Just because he wasn't bright didn't mean that he wasn't corrupt. It's just that. He didn't want to be corrupted by Americans. That's the key distinction, my friends.
1: Man, this video, this video, this video is not... Oh man.
0: Yeah, they're missing some stuff. but I'm, don't. Wa-
1: I'm never coming back to my country. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. This video, guys, just so y'all know, we're kind of touching the surface here with the intelligence agencies. We're starting to kind of crack into it, but we're going to go way deeper dive on this when we bring Dawson on with Fidel Castro, the CIA, the Traficantes, and the
7: Mafia. He had also And JFK and them boys all connected guys so uh taking various steps against the mob controlled casinos in havana which was making the mob very unhappy i think pretty
3: soon the mob realized they weren't going to get what they bargained for by giving him money giving him guns giving him jeeps
0: he i mean on paper right it seemed like the smart thing to do support both sides and just you know just see who wins but he should have just went in all all in on batista and ensured that batista won you know but obviously it's easy to say that you know 20 20 hindsight yeah, but
1: he wouldn't know he wouldn't have known that exactly that Fidel he's was a businessman
0: yeah he's a businessman so he's looking at it like I don't care who wins I'm help both you all and hopefully you guys will honor this, yeah. this deal but it's better to deal with the devil you know than the devil you don't closed all the casinos and kicked a lot of the gangsters out
2: on June 9th 1959 two weeks before the wedding of Santo Jr's daughter in Havana Cuban authorities arrested
5: the mobster Fidel's police came and knocked on the door one night and um, ransacked his uh, his uh, apartment and um, hauled him off to jail. The police slapped him with vague charges
2: and detained him. The news sent shockwaves through the underworld.
4: Santo was actually detained and they were not letting him go. I mean, he was, uh, he was actually on the list for the firing squad. Castro... Bruh.
0: Imagine that you're in a Cuban jail. You went from making, you know, in billions by American dollars today to being in a Cuban jail ready to get executed by a firing squad based off of a dude that you had supported and given a bunch of money to to help them get into fucking power. Mm. And now he's responsible for you possibly dying. Let's see how he gets out can, of this and one. I can
1: tell you something, more. Yeah, if, if, if the prison is just like Cuba, it must be horrible. Must be horrible because the the oh my god I, I I can't remember the country was a shocking thing for me because it's like it's stuck in the fifties.
0: Cuba. Just, yeah. Well, you I never, been there you recently, never seen so. it. I mean, I've never been to Cuba. I have no reason. To the go
1: architecture, there. like everything, the streets, everything is like it's stuck in the past. Mm. It's it's insane. It's like a whole museum. Like the whole country.
0: I will say this though. I don't know if people know this. Cuba has some of the best doctors in the world. You know that
1: yes
2: like yes. i i didn't know we've that we've been until... criticized
1: by, by saying this in the past with the anamontes video because it once then he had like the best uh health um how do you say this like the best health... some of the
0: best healthcare care yes in, in the world
1: health care that's the yeah. word
0: so uh and that's something a lot of people don't know but the, yeah
1: the conditions might not be like the same as it had been like before but it's still like Cuba is known for being like, for having like the best healthcare, at least in South America.
0: Yeah. So for all their communist BS listed that one thing, right? They have good healthcare, you know, and I'm not poor country, damn near third world, but first world uh, medical um, care.
2: Those new regime ordered hundreds of executions.
0: Damn. And it was free so i mean first world men, yeah. <laughs> you know what i mean I-, I know some cubans that actually that don't have insurance in the united states that have dual citizenship they go back to cuba to get their medical procedures done yeah so traficante's days
2: appeared to be numbered in 1959 Fidel Castro led a revolution against Cuban dictator Fulgencio Batista.
1: They were all Once in power,
2: <laughs> Castro Congrats. turned on the same American mobster that had backed his revolt.
0: Without because Castro
5: hated the United States.
2: Warning! He grabbed Santo traficante Jr. and
0: threw him in prison.
5: It was never really clear there were no charges there were
0: no formal charges you guys are wondering like what the hell how'd they grab him at the time guys he had a like a house in cuba because obviously he spent a good amount of time there running yeah. the casinos so he thought it was, it was still safe because he had oh he ain't gonna come after me i support him financially yeah he's kicking us out of the casino wise so but when um cuban police and military came and picked him up he was shocked he didn't see that coming
2: or anything like that <laughs> Santo's wife, Josephine, wanted her husband to attend their daughter's wedding in Havana, but he was locked up. In an act of
5: desperation, she reached out to Cuban authorities. Josephine was from a very well-connected family, politically and commercially in Florida.
4: Josephine somehow got in touch with the Ministry of Justice and persuaded them to let him have a furlough to actually go and attend his daughter's wedding. And in fact, they actually let him attend his daughter's wedding. But as soon as the wedding ended, he was rushed right back to the detention center. For the time being, Traficante was trapped. Castro's
2: such a humanitarian.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right.
2: Yeah. Traficante's attorney contacted Castro's government, hoping to spring Santo Jr. Cuba eventually released and deported the mobster.
0: Just so you guys know, Jack Ruby, okay, who, Uh uh, short for Rubenstein, Uh now you're going to go further there,
1: Yeah.
0: (laughs) went back and forth between the United States and Cuba on behalf of uh, Traficante's lawyer, guys, to facilitate him getting out. More than likely what happened was he was going back and forth to pay money and they were able to bribe their way and get traffic content out of it. And then, who's Jack Ruby? That's the guy who shot Larry uh, Oswald. And who was Oswald? The guy who allegedly, right, by himself, shot Kennedy.
1: Hmm. Allegedly?
0: So allegedly? Let me, yeah, like, let me, let me get this straight. So you're telling me the guy that killed Kennedy ended up getting killed, who was linked to the CIA, was killed by a dude named Jack Rubinstein? <laughs> who was responsible for forgetting Traficante out, out of prison when Fidel Castro was in hold on, do you believe in coincidences Angie? Mm. Hmm. Yeah. Stay tuned for our episode with Dawson where we break down this angle a lot more guys, but see where I'm going here with this there's a reason why they're not covering that part on YouTube and not telling you all how, how he got out they're only telling you that he got out
1: there's a huge theory about this yes. guys. Yeah. Yes. it's coming
0: he
2: returned home to Tampa dejected leaving his casinos behind.
1: Yeah, he was like, yikes!
3: (laughs) Trev Conte lost the Cuban casinos. (laughs) I mean, he
2: took a
1: lot of money out of Cuba
3: before he left, but he also lost a lot of investment.
0: Let's see how deep they get in with this as far as targeting uh, Fidel. Mm.
2: With the loss of Havana, mobsters needed a new spot to rebuild their gambling empires. They picked Las Vegas, Nevada.
1: Of course they did. And there
0: you go, guys.
1: Of course they did.
0: (laughs) They don't teach all this in history that Fidel Castro was indirectly responsible for the creation and explosion of Las Vegas.
1: Yeah. Fidel got rid of all the casinos in Cuba, all of them. Yep. Ow.
0: yeah this is like actually a little you know golden nugget (laughs) yeah yeah you definitely like bro so had fidel not taken leadership in cuba guys cuba would still probably be one of the biggest places to gamble in the world but since castro took office they had to do what create a casino place elsewhere hence the birth of las vegas guys so a little fun fact if you are ever hanging out with friends whatever you can tell them hey do you know that fidel castro Indirectly created Las Vegas, and you guys could break it down why.
2: Santo Junior had enjoyed running the Cuban casinos, but was hesitant to invest in an operation within the United States.
3: I think really by the time Traffic finally realized, hey, maybe I should get into Vegas, it might have been too late.
0: At the the documentaries is just saying why, but I explained it to you guys earlier. Too yeah. many rules and regulations, and their bottom line wasn't as big after all you know the payments were done cuba they were making money hand over fist la it's not la vegas you can still make money but you got to deal with american regulations etc and here's the thing you don't want to run a legitimate business like that in the united states when people know that you're a mobster in cuba he was able to act and operate in a way where he would never
1: be What a great way to make money back then
2: absolutely At the time, he felt it would be wiser to build another casino empire somewhere in the Caribbean.
3: Over the next few years, especially through the mid-60s, you see him sending emissaries to Ecuador, to the Bahamas, to the Virgin Islands, to Venezuela, all throughout Central, South America and the Caribbean to open up casino operations there. None of them ever really panned out the way he wanted it to
0: while traffic they weren't close enough to the united states to be as effective like cuba contes search for a way cuba bro you guys can realize like if you take a plane from the united states you could be in cuba in like 30 minutes
1: yeah maybe less
0: maybe even less it's only like what 50 60 miles from the i'm, I'm gonna search right now Yeah, it's literally like well actually right there
1: a little fun to- fact um because of fidel castro did this to cuba he got rid of all the casinos um his bigger copycat which was like the the like the biggest mistake venezuela could ever had uh, as a president uh Hugo chavez my dad's gonna hate me for the saying saying this and this is this is a little bit too political but he also did the exact same thing he got rid of all the casinos in venezuela so in non-stop the early, flight
0: saying one hour 20 minutes early
1: 2000s no mid 2000s
0: it says hour, 20, an hour 11 minutes i thought it would be shorter because it's only how many miles is cuba an
1: hour and 20 minutes
0: that's what they're saying but something's is off it non-stop i think so yeah it's
1: non-stop it says non-stop flight
0: yeah two hours see, almost two distance hours in miles hold on one sec guys
1: i kind of want to i kind of want to know how how long it is like in the in the canopies the, in the thing that the people take to get here by by sea do you know mm. oh uh it's like oh, three when days people,
0: when people like come into the united states illegally and stuff
1: yeah it's like three days two days. Uh, in, like, yeah
0: yeah, depending they on boats. the boat that they use. 330 miles. This would be Miami and Cuba is 330 miles. So not that far, guys. All right, let's get back to it.
2: It's casino business. America was entrenched in the Cold War.
0: <laughs> the CIA considered Castro a threat. <laughs> Having a communist... you guys want to learn more about Russian intelligence, we did two different episodes on Russian intelligence. Robert Hansen and... Uh, Fuck, i forget the guy's name but he was the highest ranking cia officer that was giving secrets to the russians go look our, at our national security slash espionage playlist guys and we got more on the counterintelligence slash russian angle if you're interested in that type of stuff
1: they should do the russian mafia too
2: we will we will definitely this country 90 miles off the coast of florida presented a clear and present danger to the united states
0: cia because up- cuba was a threat well cuba the reason why is because cuba guys um is an ally of russia and also just so y'all know uh guys go watch our Montez episode where we break this down mm-hmm. cuba what they specialize in is stealing an Amer- american secrets and then selling it to our enemies since they're so close cuba's actually one of our biggest counterintelligence threats in the world guys cuba china um russia Russians. uh <laughs> them boys as well which no one will ever admit that but the Mossad are fucking ruthless uh but yeah
2: operative robert mayhew set up a meeting with Traficante. He told the Tampa mobster Wait,
0: that he- Hold up, you tell me a CIA guy met up with Traficante?
1: <laughs>
2: hold on one sec. Hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Wonder why.
2: CIA operative Robert Mayhew set up a meeting with Traficante. He told the Tampa mobster that he wanted him to use his Cuban contacts to assassinate Castro. <laughs>
7: He was recruited by Bob Mayhew to actually deal with Cubans because he knew the Cubans. Traficante was inevitably the key figure because he was the one who had lived and worked in Havana and knew all these Cuban political figures who might be able to help. Santo
4: could get in and have someone placed close to Fidel Castro if they actually wanted to commit a hit on him.
2: Traficante told the CIA that he would go along with the plot, but in reality, The gangster never intended to carry out the hit.
4: The funny thing about this is that Santo saw an opportunity to make money and he basically told the CIA and all the agents whatever they wanted to hear. In fact, they gave him these secret pills. If you would put in in Fidel Castro's drink that somehow it'd react and you know, it'd kill him on the spot or whatever the case may be. Just so y'all
0: know, the CIA tried to kill Fidel Castro hundreds of times. I'm gonna look it up, it's some insane number. Santo flushed
6: those down the toilet. The agency believed that the persons to do the assassination would be the mob, which absolutely demonstrated that they hadn't the slightest idea what the mob
0: Castro uh, survived over 600 assassination attempts, as well as attempts to end his political career in other ways.
1: Guys, Bro, I want to I say something. 600,
0: man. The CIA, over 600. That's
1: insane. I want to say something. Like it, it, Even one, one of them like, had to see and I know you guys are gonna say, ah, you know what? Nobody cares about Venezuelan history, but this is very important. Like it's very it's too linked, like Cuba and Venezuela is too linked to this story. And even if if one of those attempts had to see, like Venezuela wouldn't have been like what is today. I wouldn't be here. Mm. Just saying that. I might I not go back ever because of saying this. And my dad might hate me forever. Well, she about
6: to get executed. But, to,
1: they're gonna yeah. give
0: her the firing squad after
1: she gets <laughs> Definitely. back. <laughs> Definitely. Definitely.
6: They're not hired assassins. You can't go down to Carlos Marcello and I'd like to kill my wife. Here's ten thousand dollars, and he takes care of it. The killings that take place in the mob are business killings, and nobody's paid. You're expected to do it as part of your your job. Still, Truffanti played along with the CIA's plan. It was a quick way to make some easy cash. He was just taking money from the agency and and laughing all the way to the bank.
0: I think they paid him something like a hundred thousand dollars or something like that to do this. Back Trafficante. Then? Which isn't even that much money, but remember he had just lost a bunch of money with the casinos in, in Cuba. No
2: qualms about swindling the US government. Some even believed that he was
5: working with Castro as a double agent. Wow. There have been many rumors about him working both sides of the street. And you got to believe that there's some information exchanging hands through all of this, some speculation changing hands, if nothing else. In the months ahead,
2: speculation of a more serious nature would surround Tropicante. As a devastating tragedy shocked the nation. November 22nd 1963 as the sun shone in Dallas Texas here we go a lone gunman named Lee Harvey Oswald opened fire and killed 46 year old president John F Kennedy
0: and to this day they still say that there was only one shooter (laughs) <laughs> tune its episode that ryan we do with you- ryan on dawson YouTube, yeah i know YouTube. i know yeah we're on youtube so just tune in when we have ryan dawson talk about this guys
2: <laughs> almost as soon as the last reports faded from oswald's rifle conspiracy theories surrounding the assassination surfaced one persistent though never substantiated rumor alleges that santo traficante jr was a major player This theory is rooted in events that began two years earlier. 1961. In Washington, D.C., Attorney General Robert F. Kennedy made it his mission to decimate organized crime in America.
6: There are a number of different areas where action is needed. The field of organized crime, I think it's a very serious situation the at the best
7: time. Robert Kennedy's priorities were to convict and incarcerate as many leading mobsters as he could by any possible means. He turned this into his own personal crusade.
2: Kennedy targeted the mob's corruption of unions. Jimmy Hoffa, the president of the Teamsters Union, didn't appreciate Kennedy's scrutiny.
6: Who? You.
2: Neither did Tampa mobster Santo Traficante Jr.
7: Traficante complaining about Kennedy and remarked, Mark my words, this man's trouble and he will get what's coming to him.
2: At the time, attorney Frank Regano represented Hoffa, Traficante, and New Orleans mob boss.
0: That was the lawyer that I told you guys before that was instrumental in getting him out through Rubenstein, who was the guy that shot Larry uh, uh, Oswald.
2: Carlos Marcelo. Hoffa, Marcelo, and Traficanti all wanted the Bobby Kennedy problem to go away. But removing the attorney general wouldn't end their troubles. At this juncture, one expert suggests
6: the focus shifted to the president. You had to kill the president, because if you chopped the tail off Robert Kennedy, the dog would still be alive and would bite you. But if you chopped the head off, everything's gone
0: yeah if they had just went over it went to the attorney general guys kenny would have used the full force of the american government to go after him but if you get rid of the president yeah it's going to be a discombobulated organization for a bit where they're trying to get a new president and etc and the attorney general isn't going to have the same amount of power as the president for obvious reasons
2: according to this theory hoffa delivered a deadly message to marcello and trafficanti through regano
7: called him aside and told him to tell them that the time had come to assassinate John F. Kennedy. And he delivered that message, and much to his surprise, instead of bursting out laughing, Marcello and Traficante simply gave each other a very long, rather cold look.
0: Guys, that's the power of the mob. They were able to be involved in the assassination of a president. Of course, they didn't do it themselves, there was uh, a certain intelligence agency and them boys that were involved. Uh, but you know what time it is. We talked about this actually extensively with uh, Nick Fuentes last time on Sneko stream. if you guys want to go into the Kennedy assassination. But yeah, crazy shit. We're going to break this down in more detail with Ryan Dawson in the future.
2: 1963. As this theory plays out, Traficante contacted a man he had met in Havana prison, Lauren Hall. Hall, in turn, got in touch with Lee Harvey Oswald, the man who had pulled the trigger in
6: Dallas. It something
0: has
5: happened in the motorcade route. Something, I repeat, has happened in the motorcade route.
2: On the night of November 22nd, as the rest of the country mourned, Santo Traficante Jr. had dinner with Frank Regano in Tampa. The two men raised their glasses and toasted the death of President Kennedy. It was a moment Frank Regano never forgot.
5: <laughs> I think that was a I think that a straw. Dude, these guys were on some demon time. That was really when I really had crossed it. When I was starting and thinking about it, and here I am celebrating the death of the president.
0: And this lawyer ended up getting indicted by the IRS guys on two different occasions, if I'm not mistaken, for wire uh, or no
4: tax evasion.
5: You know, that I realized and became cognizant of the fact that I had crossed that line.
4: My mom witnessed that. She actually got up and left and they she couldn't believe what was happening before her eyes I mean, you have these two people everyone in the United States is mourning and these two people are sitting there toasting the assassination of the president of the United States
2: that same day Chris Regano says his father had received a call from his other client Jimmy Hoffa
4: all the secretaries everyone's weeping in my father's office and apparently one of the secretaries tells my father Mr Hoffa's on the phone my father goes into his, his office, takes the phone call, and Jimmy's on the other end saying, did you hear the good news? They killed the son of a bitch.
2: Traficanti's old cellmate, Lauren Hall, later got a phone call at home from a reporter for the National Enquirer.
7: Hall was apparently drunk and uh, he was very abusive toward the reporter and he was more or less refusing to say anything. And then finally, suddenly, Hall declares, listen, The only two people left alive who still know anything are me and Santo Traficante. And as far as I'm concerned, I'm going to stay alive. So I'm not going to say In the end,
2: the Warren Commission could not establish any link between Kennedy's death. And
0: the Warren Commission, guys, was the investigating body into Kennedy's death, which kind of gave a bullshit excuse for why he was killed. But eh, you know what time it is.
2: And Traficante or anyone other than Lee Harvey Oswald. The commission concluded that Oswald acted alone. That was never charged with anything related to the assassination. But even to this day, rumors persist about the role Santo Traficante and the mob might have played in the events of November 22nd.
7: I definitely believe Traficanti was deeply involved in the assassination, gave the go-ahead for the assassination. If there were any truth to the rumors, that truth would go to the
2: grave with Traficanti. Decades later, in 1981, the federal government finally found a charge that would stick to Santo Traficanti Jr. racketeering.
5: The government felt that it had enough evidence. Now the RICO laws are finally in play. against Santo to charge him. Santo
2: Jr. needed the help of a good lawyer. His longtime attorney, Frank Regano, had spent years trying to distance his practice from clients like Traficante. But Santo Jr.
0: Funny story, his attorney, when he got indicted, Traficante actually left him out to drive. But they had so much history together. Watch what the lawyer does.
4: Could be very convincing. Santo came to my father's office and said, look, if you don't represent me, your son won't make it. And he's referring to me. Regano, there you go. That's how the mafia
2: moves, took the case. But Santo Jr's health issues were overwhelming
5: and delayed his trial. He was by now an old man. His health was failing. He had kidney problems. He had intestinal surgery he had a bad heart i mean the list just goes on and on he was failing quickly
2: in march of 1987 santo checked into a houston hospital for a heart bypass the 72 year old didn't survive the
5: surgery the operation was a success he just never woke up from the anesthesia he he died um, after they'd sewn him back up again Santo Travacanti Sr. and Jr.
2: remain the most elusive father-son duo in Mafia history. Somehow, despite involvement in racketeering and murder, they managed to avoid spending a single night in an American jail. It was Santo Sr.'s greatest gift to his son.
4: He was so good at keeping under the radar because he wasn't like your typical thugs from the North. He wasn't, you know, the gaudies that would, you know, be out in the street and eating cannolis or whatever the case may be and doing that kind of stuff. These weren't the type of guys that were doing that. He was, in essence, the silent Don. Absolutely. And just so you guys know, they didn't really effectively
0: link him to the mafia until they had that raid in New York, as you guys know that we talked about in other episodes back uh, um, in upstate New York when everyone from the commission met up. Uh, But, guys, there you have it. Um, Angie, any last words?
1: Oh really i mean this was entertaining i really like this documentary yeah well done it covers like a lot it covers it even
0: came into the conspiracy stuff but it didn't go all the way for obvious reasons right obviously but um but yeah guys um hope you guys enjoyed that we'll catch y'all in the next episode of fed reacts peace you guys can see the sun coming up too yeah so we're going to sleep you guys take it easy later